Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Thursday, December 30th. Normally we do these shows at 7 a.m. If you are a daily viewer and we're expecting that, I want to say thank you. Thank you very much for being a loyal viewer. I greatly appreciate it. Today we're going at 7.30 to kind of, you know, be the same seven-day week pattern because Jonathan Twomley will not be able to uh, do our interview uh, today at 7.30. Don't worry, I've got one, two, three, I've got four interviews lined up today uh, with the last one, of course, being the three amigos that all of you enjoy. So lots of original content coming. Do me a favor, if you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, subscribe, like, comment, and as always, I will have a question here momentarily that I would like audience participation. So if you are watching this live, get ready for a question. And if you are watching this on replay, please participate. The more comments a video gets, I believe it, uh, the algorithm treats it differently. Remember, like, subscribe, and feel free to leave a comment. And of course, Happy New Year if I don't talk to you tomorrow. And hi, Tiffany in Nashville. How are you doing? So a couple of quick things. I put out a very powerful video, I thought, yesterday with Anna Kelly. Uh, I think the video is talking about feedback from eight people. Uh, I had originally created that uh, PowerPoint kind of summarizing feedback on the simplicity and power of one rental at a time. If you haven't seen it yet, I suggest taking a look. If you've ever thought about buying the course but don't know if you want to, I suggest watching that one video. Uh, it is eight people really talking about what is going on. So again, uh I thought it was a pretty powerful video, and I might share those slides with the three amigos later today. Lastly, lots of people are signing up as the course goes up in two days. Uh, just remember, if you are also joining the Facebook group, which is free, it is a private group now with over 1,100, soon to be 1,200 amazing individuals, do yourself a favor. Introduce yourself to the audience. Be a little uncomfortable. Tell them who you are. Tell them what your buy box is. I think, uh, I think you'll be greatly encouraged with all the amazing people. How should we do this? You know what? I'm going to start at the bottom of what my notes, right? I have a whole page of notes. Barron's. Barron's Financial Magazine deserves a huge shout out. I think somebody at Barron's must watch this channel. I think somebody at Barron's probably has evaluated my 50-year spreadsheet, uh, which is amazing. So Barron's finally, finally, finally looked at real estate and all the variables that make up affordability. And Barron's came to the same conclusion that I have given you. While prices are high today, they are frankly more affordable, and dare I say it, much more affordable than the 1980s, the 1990s, and of course, the peak of the housing market. Again, this article is on barrons.com. Uh, I'm gonna go through the uh, details of it just because this is how you should think about housing. These people that look at graphs are, they get an incomplete, right? They didn't do the work. So we are going to compare to 2006, often called the peak of the market. 
2006, these are, of course, national numbers. You can, of course, do them in your market if you like, but these are national numbers. The average home price in 2006, 230K. The average 30-year mortgage rate, 6.76%. We had to assume some down payment, so Barron's assumed 20%, but feel free to do apples to apples. If you want to put in 10, put in 10. Uh, just do the same thing for the next set of variables. That means the monthly payment in 2006 on a 230K house, 20% down at 6.76 is $1,196. Here's the deal. As I showed you in my 50-year spreadsheet, those three variables alone mean nothing. Well, they don't mean nothing, but they mean very little. You must also add this fourth and critical variable. Wages, wages, wages. The average family of four in 2006 took home or had an income of $4,071. Just like I did in my 50-year spreadsheet, you take the, uh, the mortgage payment, 1196, divided by the average income of 4071, and you get an affordability or not affordability of 29.8%. That is um, on the borderline of unaffordable, right? Roughly 30% of your income is going to housing. That's kind of tight, right? That's a tier one ratio. That's, that's uncomfortable. All right, now let's take the average home price of 2021. Uh, based on the article from Barron's, $353,000, Average interest rate, 307, so this must have been from early 2021. Again, 353 k 3.07%. Again, assume 20% down. Bingo, bango, the payment is $1,204. It is $8 more expensive. But again, just like uh, 2006, that is an incomplete equation. What do you think has happened to wages in 15 years? Yes, folks, the average American no longer makes $4,071. Again, this is the average American family, $4,071. They now make $5,627, which means affordability is all the way down to 21.4%. Houses is simply said more affordable today than 2006. Okay, so... We've taken the peak equation out. What about the 1980s, the entire decade, and the 1990s, the entire decade? The average affordability, again, given the math payment divided by income, was 28%, slightly lower than 2006. Remember, 2006 was 29.8%. So again, in the 80s, do you think housing was expensive? In the 90s, do you think housing was expensive? If you were looking at a price graph, you're going, no, housing was cheap. You're wrong. Housing was actually far more expensive in the 1980s and the 1990s, even if a house cost 100 grand, because your income was so much less. Again, if you are watching channels that point at charts on price, and that is it, you are missing the boat. And I want to give shout out to Barron's, for finally having this honest discussion. It is so easy to talk about price and create fear. Barron's is saying, yeah, prices are up, but damn it, they're more affordable today than 2006, than the 80s and the 90s. And folks, I brought you that answer almost a year ago in the 50-year spreadsheet. 
If I don't deserve a thumbs up and some subscriptions for being early and beating Barons, I don't know what's going on. So thumbs up for me. It is Thursday, so we should talk about the new unemployment claims. We are once again under 200K. Uh, I think we hit 187 or 188 like four weeks ago. Uh, we hit 198, lower than expectations of 205. The job market simply said is healing itself and healing itself fast. I it will be interesting where this goes. Uh, JetBlue uh, just had to cut 1,280 flights until the middle of January. They're doing this because obviously... Uh, their um, flight attendants and pilots and all of that infections are up and they're having to, they want to get ahead of all the cancellations. Uh, what this tells me is a shout out JetBlue for thinking ahead. But to me, I'm like, what other businesses are going to suffer, right? A lot of businesses are running very thin on employees. And if they lose 10 or 20% for a week or two, what happens? What happens to assembly lines, meat packing plants, all of these things that caused supply chain issues last year, don't we? shouldn't we expect them again? I mean, are we not thinking ahead, right? And again, people that think in the port issue was getting better, what does this do if suddenly you're missing crane operators and truck drivers and all of those things? All these things are tied together. The supply chain issue is not going to get better. The inflation is not going to get better. I don't know why the Fed thinks it will. Uh, looks like Micron is saying the same thing. More shutdowns. Lock, actually, not shutdowns. Lockdowns. I don't know if you heard this, but China's zero tolerance or zero whatever they call it. Uh, they have shut down a city with strict lockdowns that has 13 million people in it. Yeah, the things that you can do in China that you can't do here. Uh, they have mandated people stay indoors seven days. Now upped it to 10 uh, with severe penalties. We're talking, you know, take you away kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, what this means is companies like Micron, you can't produce memory chips if there's nobody in the fab. So what is going to happen to the supply chain? What's going to happen to computers? What's going to happen to cars? Can we not think ahead about what is coming? Walmart is dominating the click and collect market. It's actually a phrase I had never heard before, but basically you buy online and you pick up at the store. I think Target probably launched this first, but Walmart is cleaning up. They got one in $4. That is pretty impressive. Also goes to show you that I think we're heading, inflation is real. Uh, people trade down, right? Maybe you go from Target to Walmart, for example. Again, I think this is a sign that inflation is a real problem when one in $4 are going to Walmart for uh, click and collect. Inflation is a tax. I wish the government would talk about it. They, of course, will not because they don't want to piss off the people that vote for them. Shame on them. Can we have um, term limits, please? Man, please. Uh, anyways, uh, inflation for the low and middle class is so severe uh, that is up $3,500. Goods that they would have bought in 2020 are $3,500 more expensive or up 7%. This is slightly made up by the fact that their wages are up 5%. But I don't know about you, 7% inflation, 5% wages. Oh, by the way, wages are taxed. Your purchases at the store are after tax. This is not a good ratio, folks. They are really struggling. It is a tax. It is regressive. It hurts the people at the bottom the most. People are starting to talk about the end of 2022 already. We're not even in it yet, but they're talking about it. They are expecting inflation to be at 3% December of next year. 
Here is audience participation time. Get your fingers ready. And since you're doing that, don't forget likes and subscriptions. What do you think? Where will inflation be? Let's call it CPI. Where will you think CPI will be December of 2022? Above 3% or under 3%? Just say above or below or under, whatever one you prefer. I'm going to say right now above. I think people are not appreciating the supply chain snafus. Uh, they're not expecting the wage inflation and things of that nature. So my vote is above, but I would love to hear from you. Again, leave comments below. Let's get this video up. Don't forget um, like and subscribe, all of that stuff. Um, I don't, I'm sure you've heard this by now, but I just want to get it recorded. Elon Musk, because he has sold 10% of his shares, he is going to owe $11 billion in taxes. Can you imagine writing that check? I'm not, I'm not even sure my hand could write that. $11 billion. Wow. Most ever paid by an individual. Uh, again, remember Elon Musk doesn't have an income. He only pays taxes when an, a compelling event like selling stock happens. Uh, so let's uh, do that. Uh, millennials. Millennials are starting to age into home ownership. Again, I don't know if you know this, but the prime Buying age is 35 to 44. Uh, again, millennials, if you don't know, were born between 1981 and 1996. Millennials make up 72.1% uh, population, or 72.1 million is their population. Uh, ho current home ownership rate is 65.4%. So again, as millennials age into this group, that is a lot more buying power as we move forward. So, folks, that's what I got for you today, the daily financial news. I hope you enjoyed it. Barron's article is worth a read. Uh, weekly jobless claims down. And, again, remember, audience participation, December 22, 2022, inflation, CPI, above or below 3%. Let me know in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Bye.